announcement has been paid for by the Bullet Club. Ciao ragazzi, benvenuti, welcome to another edition of City As Sit Down. I'm your host tonight, Richard Carmen. no Frank Covello around, Frank Covello, excuse me, sir, uh, but not going to do this alone, not at all. Uh, I had to dig deep and look for someone, a co-host to, that could fill the boots of Frank and actually surpass the boots of Frank, and I had to go so deep, I had to go down under, actually. Let me welcome to the show from Interworldwide, Anthony Privetra. Anthony, welcome to the show. My friend, Richard, great <laughs> intro, an even better one just before mine, legendary stuff. You continue to outdo yourself. How you doing, <laughs> my man? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. How are you doing? A lot of good couch lately, huh? Oh, man. It's just, it's been nuts down here. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. And to take an hour out of my day to talk culture with you is, I, I could not ask for anything more than this sunny day in Southwest Sydney on a Wednesday. It's funny because uh, I'm going. I'm entering into one of my favorite times of the year, the fall season here in the United States. And I think for you, what are you? You're going into. You're going into spring now, right? Correct. Yes, all we right. are. So yeah, it's, but like like every other day, you can get all four seasons in in Sydney before midday. But today, it's consistently been the same one, so it's a good one. Yeah, um, I'm good at geography. Apparently, that's pretty good. That's good. I I, you know, I did myself here, but uh, hey, you know, look tonight. Uh, it's uh, I got you on the show tonight. No Frank tonight, so we'll try to get out of here within the hour. But knowing you and I, we're probably going to be talking. We like to talk. We're probably here for another three hours. So uh, we'll do our best to get out of here as soon as possible. But a lot to get into tonight. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit Azuri. Azuri call-ups for uh, this, uh, this this international break. We're on an international break. Uh, we're going to talk about Paul Pogba a little bit. Um, Rudy Garcia, he's on the hot seat. And, oh, and then is there a split with uh, Osimhen? We'll talk about that. Uh, Fiorentina, have they gotten better since Inter? We'll get into them. And then uh, a little bit of Milan drama to top it all off, of course. Who won? Couch on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, let's just get in the way. Let's get the scores out of the way and then go from there. Let's roll. How about you? You ready, Anthony? Oh, man, I'm ready to roll. Let's do it. Whatever you want to talk about first and take no prisoners at the end of the day. You're the one sitting on top of the table now, and I'm here to, uh, here to give you your stripes for that as well. I like you. I like you. Let's yeah. run through the scores here. All right, Enjoy, it while, enjoy <laughs> it while it lasts, man. We'll see. <laughs> One week, <laughs> two weeks. All right. Uh, start off the action on Friday. Empoli, Udinese. No goals in this one. It was, inter- it was a somewhat entertaining game. I say somewhat. Uh, a lot of good opportunities, but nothing really on target. Uh, 0-0 there. Moving on to Lecce hosting Sassuolo. An entertaining game there. Lots of chances both ways. Keepers making some big saves. Uh, Berardi gets a penalty in the 22nd minute to make it one nothing, and Kristovic, a guy who continues to excel in the 48th, uh, makes it one one. They share the spoils there. Moving on to Saturday, the big dogs played, uh, starting out with Internazionale uh, hosting Bologna. Two quick goals: the goals from Echerbi off a corner kick and the Lautaro Martinez goal of the week candidate in the 13th minute. Looks like they're going to steamroll past Bologna, but not so fast. We got a penalty in the 19th minute. Orsolini would convert past the goalkeeper, and then Zerxi. In the 52nd minute with a slow, slow roller. 2-2 right there. 
Uh, moving on to the Derby de la Mole, Juventus beats Torino 2 nothing. Goals from Gatti in the 47th and Arcadio Schmilik in the 62nd. No goals from Torino in this one. Uh, Juventus, are they back? We'll talk about that. Genoa hosting Milan. Uh, this game was a tight affair. A lot of... Uh, <laughs> We, we talked about this last week how the game would be very tight between the two teams. Milan seemed to play down to their opponents. No discredit to Genoa. Genoa are a fantastic club this year so far, but would be drama late in this game. A Christian Pulisic goal in the 87th minute. And then we saw red cards by both goalkeepers and then Olivier Giroud, game-saving win. Uh, end of the game, Milan win one nothing. Uh, we'll talk about some controversy in that game there. Uh, and then moving on to Monday night, there were no games. So that was all the games this weekend. So Anthony, you're the guest on the show. Where would you like to start? Oh, well, there, were, there were a couple of surprises, man, to be honest, on this match day. I mean, I, for one, am usually pessimistic, but I thought that my boys would hold it out at home. Uh, so we can start with that, if you like, and then just yeah, move in your yeah. direction. Yeah. Yes, Lautaro giveth and Lautaro taketh away. I mean, taking away nothing from him this season <laughs> since he's got the armband, he's been incredible. Like, I actually think he's risen a tier and a half above, and he's, he's on everybody's lips around the world at the moment. So big up to him, and thank you, everybody in the chat. What a friendly-looking, amazing chat we've got here today. Very, very nice stuff. Um, as soon as it became 2-1, I thought to myself, mentally, well, we're going to lose part, partly this game. Uh, a lot of fans have been very quick to blame Simone Inzaghi to this. For me personally, yeah. I've coached many teams in my life, and that coach to me looked like he put the team out that won within 12 minutes. I was watching that game, and it was yeah. it was hell for leather. Had it not been 2-1, I see that finishing 4-5-0. And it was just unfortunate that we hit that fork in the road because this team mentally has has been shown to, to let the manager down a little bit in the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, I really think that with a little bit of extra effort and mental focus, we would have seen Bologna out the same way we would have seen many fixtures out in Serie A last season. Um, that's not to say that we talk about anything being thrown away on match day eight as early. I just don't want to see bad habits repeat themselves. So the team obviously gets a pass because Bologna is A, not easy against Thiago Motta, whether you are at home or not. But like I keep saying, these are the drop points that you look at at the end of the season if you don't achieve your main goal. And if your main goal is top honor, then you have less points to give away at home. And so far, we've just given away points from being in front against Sassuolo and Bologna uh, in the space of three Serie A match days. And to me, that's not good enough, Richie. Hey, but look on the bright side. The the first place still remains in the city of Milan, right? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I thought the two goals within 13 minutes, I thought the game set match there, right? And it's not to take it away from, from Bologna. Bologna is a fantastic squad. I think what Tiago Mota has done there has been is nothing short of fantastic. Um, but again, you're up to nothing. A team of Inter's caliber, the way they've been steamrolling everyone this year, you would expect them to hold that lead and maybe increase if nothing else. Um, and then Bologna, the fact that they got that that quick goal so quickly, you know what, six minutes after the Lartaro goal, got them back in the game. And I think if you're at Bologna, at least in that aspect, that's how you want to strike. Because if you had waited any longer, maybe the clamps would shut down, right? A team is probably most vulnerable when they go up 2-0. It's the old cliche. You hate to say it, but it's true, right? And it, it showed in this game. Um, I, you know... Inter continues to impress me. Obviously, Pavard is you know, someone who is continuing to get better and better game by game. Um, obviously, Jan Sommer, you know, I knew about this guy a lot from the Bundesliga, and he's such a quality keeper. I actually thought he was going to save that, that ball on Orsolini, and Orsolini just put enough power on there. there. But, um, yeah, this team is uh, is interesting. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that the, the draw here is – it is well, it is drop points. It certainly is. I think that loss of Sassuolo is more telling, I think, in the fact that 
they weren't ready for it. And obviously, Sassuolo had a great week, right? They took out Juventus, uh, Inter, and uh, they'll probably take out Milan here soon if they have, you know. Um, but Sassuolo, that game is what that was really the blip on the radar, right? I think if you if you told me going into this weekend that it was going to be two two between Bologna and Inter, but yeah, that, that makes sense, right? Tiago Motta's team is a, a disciplined team. But to your point, I think going up two nothing so quickly, you gotta see that out, and you hope for Inter's sake that you find a way when you get these kind of results because you still got to play some big boys down the start, you know, many more times this year. Getting that lead and holding on to it, I think, is important, and this is a good lesson to learn from the Bologna game, right? Definitely, might as well get the kick up the cooler early that we need, and I hope that they're all you know hitting each other across the head in the locker room saying we can't repeat the same mistakes of the last couple of years because I, I don't think there is going to be a runaway winner this year. That you're not no. going to see a Napoli-esque no. from any club. Um, so you know it, we need to keep it as tight as possible because we remember last season how tight it was for everybody below Napoli uh, in that very cluster, and we're probably going to see that from from top to bottom for a few spots this season. So. It's a grind. you got to get your home points um, if you're Milan or if you're Inter or if you're Juve or Napoli trying to get the top honor this year. So drop points, but not too late to redeem yourself. Nowhere near it. Yeah, plenty of games still to play. Uh, there is a question for you in the chat from uh, a Roma fan. It says, Anthony, what's your thoughts on Big Ron with seven goals in eight games? Do you miss yeah, it? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm a great person to answer with it because, you know, I've worked in education my whole life. And Romelu Lukaku is just that classic guy who's in like one grade and decides to play soccer on the infant's playground with like the kids <laughs> in year three. And then he, he walks off, he walks back to class. He's like, yeah, I scored five goals at lunchtime. Romelu Lukaku is a flat track bully and he's yeah. in the perfect club so that he can just blend in in the background now nah, big, big ups to him for his start to the season but that's where it ends for me i don't like him on a human being level anymore so and we'll, we'll make our voices and whistles heard at the sun Seattle when we get back from international <laughs> break <laughs> but big up vincent man i love the banter that's really good yes 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 <laughs> chats <laughs> loving it too chats love it too but you you mentioned milan let's get over to milan stay in the stay with the new leaders of City. Yeah, this game against Genoa wasn't an easy game at all. Um, full credit, we just, uh, you know, self-plug on City. Yeah, sitdown.com. We uh, released an article on Genoa and uh, the rise from City beat the City. Yeah, and the tactics that Gilardino implores. And while this team is towards the bottom of the table, this is a good team. It's a disciplined team. This team last year was very high-flying in City B. They got some good talents in Retegui and Goodmanson. Um, and they, they know how to defend the ball. And what they did against Milan, they made it difficult for Milan. Uh, Milan certainly had chances, but um, could not convert. And I thought for majority of this game, this game was going to end 0-0. Uh, I really did. I, I did, you know, the way, you know, once you can just see how the flow of the game goes, you know, as it progresses along. And Milan, as I, as I mentioned at the opener, they tend to play down to their opponents. And, and games like this, this is what separates, I think, Inter from Milan Maybe you'll disagree, but I think, you know, Inter, when they play teams that are at the bottom of the table, they tend to handle them. And Milan play very difficult games against these teams and seem to play better against the better teams in the league. And uh, it's 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 hard to watch as a Milan fan because, you know, you should be beating this team. Just look at it on paper. It's it's night and day, the two teams. But it doesn't matter, right? It's about what you do on the pitch. Uh, what were your thoughts on this game, uh, especially as the game progressed 0-0 throughout the game? Yeah, no. Um... <laughs> Just on Genoa before we get into the game, I, yeah. I agree. And it's it's amazing that their points, their eight competition points have come this season, if I'm not mistaken, with wins over Lazio, Roma, draw to, away to Udinese and Napoli. Um, but they didn't get anything out of their games against Lecce, Torino, or and I forget, there might have been another one as well. But in regards to this game, yeah, classic, like as what you said, um, definitely they would have felt good keeping the point at yeah. home. 
But like Milan have done in the last couple of seasons, man, you, you seem to be able to stick it to the right second, just that little bit more mentally. And I can only really compare it to, to Inter because I watch Inter more than anything. But I have absolutely no doubt that you will see almost every every game out that I tune into and watch. It's just engraved into my head. But you're going <laughs> to drop points this season. But it, it was, it was yeah. straight out of the Netflix series. When Giroud put the gloves on, I'm like... This is such a legendary <laughs> moment for these guys because Giroud is part of that dying breed of footballer and athlete yeah. that will step up and do that no yeah. matter what. He's such a legendary player. And to see him put those gloves on, I'm like, this is just, it's fictitious, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Um, big, big three points for you guys away to take yeah. that confidence because it was looking like flat, uh, definitely a flat nil or draw. Um once again, we see the clock tick into the triple digits, which I always find to be absolutely bizarre when I'm watching this game these days, but it is what it is. For Genoa, moving forward, I think like I mentioned to you in, in chatting earlier during the week, I think they're just looking to guarantee that that relegation is a one-off for a couple of decades. And yeah, they don't yeah, want to they yeah, don't want to go yeah. down that road again because it was not a bright moment for them. But congratulations to your three points. And I guess the last talking point of the game is the one that's on everyone's hands, lips, arm, shoulder, whichever way you're looking and whatever camera angle you're on. Um, what are your thoughts on this, man? You can take the floor on it because me, I'm at that point with football and refereeing decisions, not just in Italy, everywhere else, where I don't have an opinion anymore. I just accept what is told to me, whether it's right for or sure. wrong. I, I wait for the outroar because I too am void of any confidence in sort of decision-making because when I see that decision, it looks like a handball. But... Then I read other opinions and I'm like, I guess I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you in that regard where like I just I let the people do their opinions themselves. And like I'm like, I don't even know if whatever they call, they call. It is what it is, right? You know, you can't change what you know what the referee's gonna call in the game. Um, I think actually there's two controversies in this in late in this game, but we'll start with the first one with the goal by you know Captain America. He's not even a captain of the American team, the, uh, the United States team. Come on now. But anyway, Christian Pulis a great goal for him, but was it a handball? Was it not? Um uh, when you're first watching the live play, you're like, okay, you don't see anything. Uh, players, their general players don't even react to it. It's a goal, they celebrate, whatever. You watch the replay, and you start watching different angles of it, and you're like, was it handball or was it not, right? Um, and, and and everyone is screaming, it's a handball. I get it. I get it. I see. I, you know, I get it. Uh, the, what I saw from it is when the ball comes in, it comes in towards his arm, towards his armpit, and he's moving his arm, just his, his body at the same time, and hits him here or here, and goes down. And to me... From what I understand of the rule book, that's not a penalty. But I can see when people see it's a rule. I can see it's a handball because certain angles it looks like it hits him and it hits him up here, right? So I get it. I get it. It's a tough call. Um, and my guess is when they went to VAR, it was inconclusive, right? It's like we say this in the, and oh, not many people are gonna relate, but the NFL, right? When you go for uh, go for the re replay, if you can't tell what it is, you go with the field, the call on the field, and the field, the call on the field was a goal in this instance, and it was inconclusive. Um, so I can see the why people are going handball, not handball. I didn't think it was a handball, but I understand completely. Like, if you say it's a handball or, like, Reno in the chat says a handball, um, granted, I know you guys are Interisi and Juventini, but, you know, hey, I get it. No, I'm just joking. Like, like, I don't mean <laughs> Reno, like Reno, Reno, says a lot of, Reno says a lot of stuff, man. He's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, He's he a is. fantastic guy. No, even Milanisi were saying there's a handball. Some Milanisi were saying handball, right? So I get it. I get it. It's a difficult call. It's a difficult call. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, so they, they, the goal stood. Right. And then uh, I thought there was a second contribution in the game where, you know, obviously you mentioned um, Olivier Giroud, the, the fantastic goalkeeper from Milan. Uh, before that, ball goes into the ball goes into the box and Magnon goes for the ball. And so was uh, who was it? I forget who the striker was for uh, for Genoa. Uh, regardless, they, they clash. Play goes on again. Magnon crashes into someone else. Goodmanson was the second guy he crashed into. Uh, and the referee goes VAR, says it's a red card. Um, and 
I didn't think it was a red card because I've seen many instances where guys, goalies, go for the kung fu kick and right in the chest, right? And he got him. He did get him, but he went for the ball. I think he because he was going for the header and just so happened to collide. It's a soft call, in my opinion. I think so much in this modern game, this had never been called in the 90s and 2000s. I think we've – and granted – these days they protect the goalie so much so it's a good one for the striker right i'm always for the striker but and that in my opinion that play maybe just a homer call for me i didn't think it was a red card in that situation um how do you feel on that situation? you thought it was a good red red card uh, as soon as you started talking about it i started thinking about all the times that i used to watch highlights as a kid and as a teenager of, of keepers putting their full body through an attacker on international and club level and yeah. the referee just calling oliver khan oliver khan yeah, the referee just calling it a good collision man he went for the ball everyone get up yeah, and let's yeah. keep going but we are we're now in the day and age where we we watch replays back so we can see if the blade of grass connects with the shoelace and that <laughs> constitutes physical contact so or like, like i said before i'm at that stage right now where whatever the decision is made not only do i know if, if they've made a clean call i know that we're in the day where social media is going to rip it to absolute shreds in super slow-mo and in slow-mo when you look at it again of course it looks like mike Magnan wants to join the french rugby team which is doing fantastic at the moment so yeah. send him across, send him across. They, they, don't need, they don't need it at the moment but they still but i can get exactly where you're coming from as well that in real time the way that the ball moves in between the goalkeeper and the player it's there's not a lot of time and not a lot to decipher it and especially at that point in the game um I, was he, he was he on a yellow card? Was that a second yellow or a straight red? Uh, straight red. It was a straight red. The general keeper had two yellows and got the got the red card. But the, okay. that was a straight probably, red. It's definitely a foul because it's outside the box. And I, I think it's a foul for sure. I, I think you got to give that a yellow card to send him off at that point in the game at one nil could have been controversial. So kudos to the referee for showing a, a little bit of balls and guts, no matter what the yeah, decision. For um, sure. But yeah, at the same time, it could have gone either way, yellow or red. And I hear the people also screaming that uh, if it wasn't called on the first guy, it certainly wasn't the second guy. So he did the same thing to good uh, to Goodmanson. And so yeah, you know, I, I get it. I think it was a foul. I don't think it was red. And I know they're gonna say it's last uh, last line break a chance to score a goal, but he's a goalie. Like that's his job. Like if it was if it was uh you know Malik Chow doing that, totally that's a red card. You know all day. Mm. Uh, but it, it was a goalkeeper. So anyway, I, you know it's fine. It, he gets a red card just in time for Juventus game. Oh, I get it. No, that's, that's cool. That's cool. I get it. Hey, and Teo Hernandez, he's also suspended for the Juventus game. You know, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> but that's uh, okay, man. You can you can just play you could just play Giroud in both positions each half, man. Just alternate between there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, speaking of Giroud, he gets in there and he makes a great save, the last save of the game to to seal the victory for Milan, which is crazy. Um, he was excited. Team was excited, obviously. Uh, now they, I don't know if you saw this, but the Milan store actually has a green goalkeeper jersey of, my, of, of Olivier Giroud. So and I think he got the call up for France too. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but hey, I see Reno in the chat buzzing here. Let's get, let's, let's give Juventus some love here. Uh, Juventus and uh, Derby della Mole, it's really been a one sided affair as of late. Uh, but Juventus, a nice victory there, 2 0. Um, I, I think this is a very Allegri esque game. I think um, they weren't too bothered by Torino. I think what they did defensively. Uh, kind of shut out Torino from any really, really good opportunities. And, you know, they got their goals. They got the, obviously the goal from, from Gatti. Gatti's a player who I love. And then obviously Arkady Schmilk at the second goal. With with Allegri, it seems like when you get a 2 nothing lead, you can easily blow it like Inter did this weekend, right? But they didn't in this game. In this game, they seem to always get up for it. They always handle, it seems to handle Torino. And uh, Juventus got a nice win in this one. And, you know, 
people want to say, hey, they're not they're not challengers for the Scudetto this year, but I disagree. I think they're very much in the discussion, especially being the only one competition, right? 100%. I would say they're borderline favorites. Well, they started the season as favorites for me. And then with just so many issues going on, I could see why like it could it trickles down and suffers on a footballing level, especially with a group of players that which, let's face it, they could be a lot more motivated than they are at that club. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, you said it perfectly. They've only got one game a week and they've had that kick up the ass early where they drop points on a European match day, which they would not will not be happy about. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you're, you're probably going to see them well and truly up there at the end of the season. In terms of, I like that comment from Vincent because Torino have just been garbage under Ivan Juric so far this season. Like they've got, they've still gotten enough competition points to solidify a mid-table spot. Obviously it's still early in the season. It's not like you look at them on the table and they're in the relegation zone. I just expect a little bit more from Ivan Juric. Granted his, um, his squad is a little bit thin at the moment, but yeah. Duban Zapata hopefully hits the ground like he's hit the ground running a little bit uh, in a couple of games this season i hope yeah. he gets a little bit more consistent um because uh, they're a team that should be performing better and they didn't show enough guts in that derby for me i thought they would have been a lot better to be honest in that derby what about you did you enjoy the game did you watch it i enjoyed the game i what i don't get it and it's not it's not just a urich thing right because urich hasn't been there for many years it's, been, it's only yeah. what, his first year or second year but they didn't have the fight that Juventus had and granted you could say maybe the players aren't as good or whatever but I, I like this I like this Torino squad I think it's perfect for Juric defensively they've been pretty decent it's the like 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 uh Vincent says the goals is not there and they got Duvan Zapata they got um oh they've God, got two former inter wingers in Bellanova and, and um Lazzaro I found that to be hilarious and yeah could be part of the problem you know, I mean, they got a really good team, uh, players that have the potential to do really well. I expect with this talent, they should be a top 10 team. But for whatever reason, they just can't score goals. And it's uh, in the games like this is when you want them to show up, right? Not just against the Hellas Verones of the world or, you know, or the Leches. You got to show up in your big derby game. And obviously, Juventus came to play and Torino didn't. Um, I don't think this is going to, I think Torino should just move on from this, very similar to the way. Milan had to pick up and just move on from the Derby or Fiorentina against Inter, really. Uh, just move on say, hey, that's one loss. Let's keep going. And as you mentioned, they, they have been collecting points so far this season. They just got to keep doing it to themselves and keep getting some points. And hopefully Zapata and company can kind of figure it out offensively and start getting some goals here. Because I think if they can get consistent goals, one, two goals a game, they're going to be hard to beat. Uh, but... It's worth noting as well, and I was a big fan of him last season. I've noticed that Sanabria hasn't been playing. He's only started twice this season. Is that because he's injured or is he falling out of favor? What's the go there? Because something's not right if Sanabria is not getting minutes. I like him. I like him too a lot. Um, and I I want to say part of it is, I think I thought I heard something about an injury, but two, you got also Zapata coming in. He's just a beast, right? Now, I think yeah. they both can cohabitate together, right? See both of them together. Mm. They both have the skill set to, I think... Um, It'd be a good marriage up at the front there to, to feed off of each other. But I, so. uh, I don't understand really why he hasn't been starting much. And again, it could be injury or uh, I hope it's not falling out of favor with Juric because Sanabria has an, uh, an, an eye for goal and um, they certainly need to help offensively, right? <laughs> so yeah, there's no big excuses time. there for him not starting other than injuries. So yeah, uh, let's see. Moving on to Sunday. Um, Monza uh, as co-chair of the uh, Copani uh, fan club. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. One of the goals of the weekend there, nice move by him. It's just a wonderful, wonderful like feint and then a quick shot on the goalkeeper. Wasn't anything super powerful or anything, but it was just beautifully done by him. Monza, this team continues to impress. 
they are so they're just fun to watch, right? And um, even last week when they played Sassuolo, I thought the game would have been a lot better. You still saw some opportunities, and this one against Salernitana, who by the way, Paulo Souza, he's gone. In comes people in Zagi. So we got two Inzaghi's now. Uh, can't wait for the Inzaghi Derby. But, I can't uh, wait either. <laughs> with Cantreva there too. Oh, this is awesome, right? Uh, but <laughs> they need the help because Salernitana, this is a team that they look so good at the start of the season. So much promise, especially in the last season. And you got Boladia. He's a guy who can score goals. And they can't figure it out at the moment. And Monza, full credit to them. Their team is coming together. Vignato is a nice little player who got his first goal and almost got a second goal. Not a great for the great save by um, Ochoa. Monza just keep humming along. Um, and I told I told Frank this last week, and I think it was last week, or maybe two weeks ago. And I want your thoughts. I think Monza could be a European contender, meaning Europa League or Conference League next year, not this year. But I think they're certainly top ten this year. And I think the way they're the, the obviously having Galliani and, and company behind them, they're doing things the right way. And Messina Pacina's playing a different position now, but they got the right pieces there. Papu Gomez, he just joined the team, so I'm really impressed by Monza. What are your thoughts on Monza? Oh, how can you not be impressed? How can you not be impressed by them, man? It's, it's, it's they're fun to watch because it's that fun project that we all know that, you know, good business trickles from the top down and yeah. everyone is having fun. It's at that point in the project where it's still new, it's fresh, it's got so much momentum. Like if you were to do like a power rankings of club momentum in Serie A, overall as a whole they'd definitely be in the top three or four because it's yeah. just it's a it's a train it's a positive yeah. train they're eighth in Serie A at the moment and every player looks like they want to play in that Monza shirt Pessina yeah changes position but one thing's for sure about him is he has just he's been a good captain at the club it was the right selection because he, yeah. he really looks like he's having a great time yeah. leading that club um Kolpani is it's only a matter of time before he's snapped up by somebody yep. here um, or I could see him doing well. I'm um, doing quite well in Spain as well. Uh, but other than that, I think that as long as their players stay fit and healthy, Roberto Gagliardini and Danilo D'Ambrosio are contributing as much as they possibly can. Gagliardini a little bit more. He's actually got a man of the match performance mm-hmm. to his mm-hmm. name, as we all knew he would. Um, that's all you can say about Monza. They're they're absolutely cheering at the moment. Another team that's that's really on a tear at the moment, and I wanna I wanna if you're a Frozenoni fan. Come here, listen up. Frosinone, <laughs> Di Francesco, I apologize. I, I'm not very familiar with your game, apparently. So uh, two to one, they won in this one. They continue to get results so far this year. A team who I think most people, including myself and Frank, had EDF pegged as one of the first managers sacked this season, uh, that they would struggle. Obviously, this team from last year was phenomenal. They were by far the best team in Serie B, but they made, for whatever reason, a managerial change. And you're like, well, why the heck are you going to get rid of Grosso and, and bring an EDF? This can't work. It's worked so far, surprisingly. Uh, they've been one of the surprises of the season, along with uh, with Lecce. They uh, continue to get results. Obviously, it's Hellas Verona, so you, you, know, you don't want to read too much into that. But they've played everybody well this season. They've got some surprise victories. And so they continue to play well. And what you see with them is that EDF is not really – he's not changing too much from what they did last year. He's letting them play. They they they're adapting to the city A game from City B, and so this can only go up from here from from Frosinone. Now I, I I do understand some of these teams have this uh, honeymoon phase, right? Galliardi saw a few years ago where they came out and they were top six, you know, for the first couple months, and all of a sudden they dropped to the bottom. I understand that's possible, but you know what we saw from Frosinone last year. This is a quality team. They just got to get adapted to the to the top flight. Maybe they're starting to get it. Do you think this is a it's just a one-off early season with the teams are weak, or do you think this team has the potential to you know get a little bit better as the season goes on? 
I'm actually gonna gonna agree with one of the smaller points you made there and say I do think they're gonna fall off the pace. I do mm-hmm. think what you're seeing is a classic fairy tale like sort of start that you've seen many times before. Yeah. Uh, I do also think Soleil is is getting some good minutes there at the club. I think that they've definitely got it in them to to fight off relegation and survive it. But I still see them at around match day 33, 34, looking over their shoulder and taking every point with liquid gold because the, the season is long. They will fatigue. And some of these games, even if they are playing once a week, they will pile up and they will get deflated eventually. That being said, there's definitely no doubting at the moment. There are an array of clubs, both... Sorry, there is an array of clubs at the moment that are just poorer than Frosinone and performing at such a lower level. So mm-hmm. depending on how many teams can get their shit together, excuse my language, it'll that'll be a big factor for Frosinone as well. Can't believe you fucking curse on my show. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, do, you know, do you know the reason why they got rid of Grosso? Did, did, I don't know. They got rid of Grosso before Grosso took the emergency job at Lyon, right? Or was Correct. that like worked out with Fuzzinone? No, I, I think they got rid of Grosso before he took the Lyon job. Okay. This happened, this happened like I'm shortly after the season the last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like it happened shortly after the end of the season last year where they got rid of Grosso. Like they, for whatever reason, they mutually agreed or I don't know if they fired him or what happened or he walked away. I don't know. Yeah. I should probably look into this. Uh, but uh, another team with another fantastic start to the season, Lecce at home. I really like the way they attack, especially at Me home. They, they come at you at waves. This is different from what we saw last year and years before when they were in Serie A. Where it's all about defense and then trying to you know get their get their one or two chances a game and score goals. They're coming at you waves and waves and waves. And obviously, you play a bigger team, it's, it'll be a different story. But against Sassuolo, a team who is a fun bad of the league, they they gave them everything they had. Surprised they only had one goal. I mean, having uh, Kristovich in there, a guy. This is a wonderful find. This guy can find the back of the net from a phone booth. Um, it's just they're very similar to Frosinone in this respect. And obviously, all eyes are on Lecce at the moment when it should be you know equally with Frosinone, but. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on, on Lecce this season? Uh, I, I think they are more likely to continue their form than Frosinone, probably. Yeah, they're def- they'll have it in them to go that little bit further. They've got a couple of years of um, pre-grace. Shout out, Matt, my brother from down under. Um, <laughs> started the season very well, and I think it was in late late September. Probably their best football that they played was back-to-back 1-0s. One of them was a win against Genoa, the other one a loss against Juventus. But they were really, really showing a really good array of form. They'll definitely survive the drop this season. I said it at the start. I expected them, out of the the squads that we've spoken about, sorry, the teams that we've spoken about, Frosinone and whatnot, like you said, I expect Lecce to really be fighting for a mid-table spot this season. They've just got the momentum. The fans are behind them. They don't mind traveling as well, that's for sure. Um, And I just think they've got that little bit of quality in their team that, you know, is sort of adapted well to Serie A in the last season and now knows exactly what it takes on a fundamental level. That means on a locker room level, a mental level, what it means to survive the grind. Whereas that is something that you might see a Frosinone struggle with as it gets to the back end of the season. You know what? When I was reading out the scorelines, I realized I don't even know if I read out the scorelines from Sunday because I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't remember talking about Frosinone or Lazio beating Atalanta. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on to Lazio and Atalanta. Uh, interesting game there. Charles Acatalata continues to score. And unfortunately, this time it was for Lazio at the beginning of the game. Um, an entertaining game. Two teams, you know, with a lot. Atalanta probably had the better of the play in, in, in this season, and especially recent weeks. Lazio has been more up and down. Uh, had some tough losses. Obviously, they lost, lost to Milan, Milan recently. But um, this is going to be a big test for them. And I thought going into this game that, a draw would probably suit both these, both these two teams, considering the form that they've been in. Um, obviously, Atalanta drew Juventus last week, and so it was a true test for both these teams. And I, what we saw, I think, is obviously 
two things. One, right, is that Lazio has the fight in them. Uh, I picked them for finishing second this year for a reason. Uh, this is part of the reason why I suck because they have some fight in them and, and games where they it's going to be difficult. They find ways to score goals. And the second reason is they got that guy from, from the MLS, Castellanos, Tati Castellanos. He can find the ball in the back of the net. He scored, what, like something like 45 goals in like 90 games or something ridiculous uh, in MLS. The whole thing with 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 Lazio has been so immobile-dependent, uh, right? They got these two fantastic wingers in Sakani and Anderson. Uh, and it seemed like at times last year, and I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not talking bad about Immobile, but at times when he was gone last year, they seemed to play better because it wasn't like, let's give the ball to Chiro. No, it's like, let's just play football. And they, they looked so wonderful last year when he wasn't there. And when he came back, it's like, oh, let's keep giving the ball and not play the way we've been playing. And what you saw in this game is they're a little bit more free. They didn't feel like they had to give it to Castellanos. They just, you know, if he was in a good open spot, feed him the ball. Otherwise, you know, let the other players uh, play around. I mean, what are your thoughts on this game and uh, the victory over Atlanta? I th- yeah, I thought similar to you. I didn't put them as high as second. I didn't really do a um, nobody did official, <laughs> yeah, an official prediction. <laughs> Even last year, I didn't pick that season. high. But I, I definitely saw, still saw them having a better start than they had now. Um, for the record, I went on Twitter after the game and someone called Vecino Vecinovich Savage, and I just lost it, man. I thought it was one of the funniest <laughs> things I'd seen. Like it was just in the moment I saw it, and I was just like, <laughs> "That's absolutely brilliant." I like that. I like that. Um, but. Yeah, it was really, really entertaining stuff. Probably the definitely the game of the match day, really. And you know, just like Inter going out to an early lead, copying the two goals back, you're never safe. You're never safe at two zero. Um, they're they're gonna fill the void though, so they're yeah. gonna feel like the void is is empty, emptying as the season goes on. Because I still think mentally they're very reliant on Chiro, and this is the year that they're gonna see that it's it's time to move on from this dependency that you're talking about because he cannot carry the goal scoring in this side as he's done impressively at times or overratingly at times. I still remember the OG Caicedo t-shirts. Don't worry, I've got memories of them. Um, <laughs> I got it on. I almost put it on. <laughs> um, but I, I think that I thought that they'd be able to push for top four and I think that they will be able to make a comeback at some point, but they've already lost too many points for me in regards to pushing maybe your club and my club. Mm-hmm. I've been saying on my channel that I want this to be a season where there is no such thing as a Lazio or a Roma or an Atalanta. I just want to be in a race with people going for the title and with teams going for the title. And I don't think that the, either of these sides have shown anything off or on the pitch that warrants a title run. And I don't think you are going to see it. But I like what you said also about Castellanos because it doesn't matter where you score your goals. I know it's easier in some countries than the other, but if you're a forward that has an eye for goal, the ball is round and the dimensions are the same on every single pitch. Yeah, I, I agree 100% about that. Uh, and it shows that Hrisovic, right? He's coming, he already came from Serbia or, from, or where did he come from? Romania or somewhere. And he was scoring goals there and he comes here and he's still scoring goals. And so, uh, yeah, and it's a great point. And then also Atalanta, I don't think they should take this as a heavy heart, right? This is a good team that they lost to. Um, they played well. They did well to come back from down 2-0 uh, with goals by Ederson and Kalasinak. Um, this is a good team. They obviously are very Coop Miners dependent because he's, he's just a baller, right? He's and so then, good. And then you know, what you're seeing is that because he's so good, the other pieces are comfortable around him to kind of do their own thing, right? We've seen the Catalade emerging all of a sudden, right? You see uh, Adam Alokman. Ederson has kind of had a better year this year than he did last year. Um, so... The players around are starting to get better. You hope Paslis kind of gets better too. He had a great opportunity in this game to get a goal and he just missed it. He kind of needs to rekindle his form from a couple of years ago when he had, what, 10 goals, 11 assists or something to that effect. Um, with this Atalanta team, they got a great win in, in Europe this past, weekend, this past week. Um, and 
they just got to keep building off of this. And this got to, yeah, it's a loss. Yeah, but you, this is a, a team that's quality. I think this is their first true loss of the season. I think they've had three draws. I think, right? Am I right? Am I wrong about that? I don't know if it's their first loss, but like I just I feel like the pieces are working at the moment for Gus Bedini in a way that it hasn't for maybe a season or a season and a half. They're sort yeah. of starting to revert back systematically to what we saw them, you know, do very, very well when you know they were thriving with um Papu Gomez, uh, Zapata, Iacic, Gosens, and Co. Uh, I'm a big fan of Coop Miners. I've been screaming his his yeah. praise from the moment he signed from Alkmaar because I know how disciplined that Dutch players are from that region as well. And it's just really good to see him doing well. Uh, you know who else has just been really consistent for them the last season and a half, two seasons? Zappa Costa. He's, yes. quite, he's quite dangerous. He's, he's actually a bit of a baller on that side of the He's pitch. gotten he's better. Quite, he's gotten better yeah. since going over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, they're, they're looking at the... Atalanta are looking at the bench and they can put players on like Muriel and Lutman yeah. and Coop Miners. And, you know, so why are people not talking about this a little bit more? Yeah. Once again, just mental pedigree and knowing how to go the distance are different stories refresh me are they even in europe this season they are they they beat sporting uh in the europa league uh right. europa league uh, on last thursday so uh and you're right okay. that wasn't their first loss they have three losses a season they actually had only one draw they most of the season they either win or loss like juventus game was the first draw but uh yeah they're in europe this season so uh, right right that's right i just forgot for a second um yeah so if, Expect them to still be thereabouts as the season goes, but the Gus Bedini train comes in waves as well. So let me ask you this, because Atalanta, you talked about their depth. They can obviously put anybody off the bench and put them on the starting lineup, and they do well. Would would Atalanta be performing better if they had a set starting 11 that consistently played out there, get more minutes and, and familiarity with each other, or what he's doing now with the rotation a, a better suited for longevity and, and, and a better results? What do you think? Is there a reason why he didn't start with Coop Miners? Was it tactical or is he just not 100% fit? I want to guess is from putting so many minutes against Sporting Lisbon. But, awesome. uh, but that's the only thing I can think of. I'm hoping it was an injury, right? Because he's such a special player. Yeah, that's yeah he's very, very of. good. Um, with the, this, You're probably right in a sense that it, it would make sense. But in a season like the and the way football is at the moment, rotation is it has to come as second nature. And that's why they haven't abolished the five substitutions rule. We've, yeah. we've got to get used to this. We're, got to, we're getting used to more rotation, more substitutes taking place earlier in the games. I don't think it hurts to be able to rotate uh, consistently. Yeah. But that, that's a subjective question for so many people that, are, you know, the, the coach on the left might answer differently to the coach on the right. I'm really not too sure. So I think... To really not answer your question at all, it's it's another <laughs> it's, it's another challenge for the managers in this modern day version of the game of how well you set up and systematically rotate because yeah. that was a big question from the Inter fans, uh, bro. After this game was, you know, Inzaghi got the rotation wrong. He shouldn't have backed up so many players from midweek. That's why they didn't win the game. And I'm just like, bro, they were up two nothing after 12 <laughs> minutes. That the team was there was nothing wrong with the team and there was nothing wrong with the substitutions either. We just, the players mentally lost control of the game. It happens even at, a, at this level. Um so yeah it's tough. Uh since you mentioned Inter I'll bring up a question for you from Dominic it says uh how did you feel about Beppe Morata when he was at Juventus and then how has that has that changed now with him at Inter? When he was at Juventus, I walked around to different Inter fans going, we are shit because we don't have a director like Pepe Marotta <laughs> at Juventus. And now that he's at Inter, he is everything to me at this club. Yeah, um, when yeah. he leaves, we got some big problems. He yeah. is a fantastic director. I know that oftentimes he can do things like offer some big contracts and some bumps and whatnot, but he's always on top of the bag that he's working with and the books that he are working with. 
Inter has been in a dire minus a billion out of 10 situation financially off the pitch. It's been a disaster. And had it not been for that man and the work that he has done with Pierre Auxilio, we would this ship would have sunk as soon as Antonio Conte got off as captain. Yeah. So this is a lot of the sustainability, if not all of it, reflects onto him. I don't think he's got long left at this level as a director because I just think he's looking at the modern game and going, well, this is stressful. Oh, God, look who's here. Nah, that's all. Morata <laughs> is bigger than Inter. It's, if you want, it depends. You can, you can line up at any desk, but if you want the uncomfortable truth, line up in front of Mario Galliano because yes. he will give it to you all day, every day. And that's, that's, it's a good point that he makes because he's going to, not only is he bigger than Inter, now he's bigger than this role and position. He's just going to go right up into whatever corporate role um, with, with the heads of the honchos of the FIJC he wants to do next. So hopefully he still wants to get another two, three, how many years out um, with Inter because he's doing a great job there. My closing comment on Lazio and Atalanta, what we saw is Gasparini over-rotates his guys. Well, Maurizio Sarri doesn't rotate his guys, really, right? Hey. Uh, so it's funny, the contrast there. But uh, before before Vincent has an aneurysm, let's talk a little bit of Roma here in Cagliari. Mm. Uh, more so Roma because Roma, they were they were, feel, they were reeling a little bit, right? The questions are, it's Mourinho's third year. He's struggling. Should he go? Should he get, will he get fired? Uh, Roma really needed a result. They said there were rumors that if they lost to Cagliari somehow, Mourinho's going to be fired. It's like, all right, calm down here. And then. What do they do? They put four goals in a row on Cagliari before they scored a, the late goal consolation. Um, obviously, Awar scored Lukaku two goals today or this weekend, and Balotti obviously having a resurgence back as well. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Because obviously, there is something to this Mourinho third-year thing because we've seen it through his career, right? But um, do you think this is just all like not to worry about? Because, I mean, this Roma team has some injuries, right? Paolo Dybala got injured again. Uh, luckily, it wasn't anything serious. They said he should be back. Sorry for you. He'll be back for Inter. He's going to miss international games uh, with Argentina. But, I mean, this team stays healthy. What we thought Lukaku could have been, you know, with the rest of his team healthy is what we're seeing now, right? Now, if you get Paul Dybala back healthy this year, I think Mourinho and company are fine. I just think they went through a little bit of a rough patch, a really rough patch, uh, and they needed that four-goal bombardment of Cagliari to kind of set things straight. What are your thoughts? Do you think I'm overreacting here? No, I don't think you're overreacting. Like Mourinho is Mourinho. He's one of the best managers in the world. If he says he's not done, then he's not done. He'll call it when he's ready. The Dybala injury is just frustrating. It's just very, very frustrating for them. You never know what version of him you're going to get, unfortunately. Um, We are more than ready for this Roma title charge, uh, Vincent, because it doesn't exist and it won't exist this season. There will be no Roma title charge, my friend. I'm happy to hold myself accountable. (laughs) I'll I'll give you a shout out on my channel and everything. If I'm wrong, I'll I'll always come to collect it. I think that there are too many inconsistent starters in Roma that are are a knockaway or just like when they they struggle to play themselves back into form. In a system like this, it's not easy to play yourself into form. And that's why Mourinho does get the best out of an outdated system because he's unique up here. Um, I rate a lot of the players that grow under him. I think one Luca Mancini has really disciplined and grown as well because yeah. um, his mentality has always sort of let him down. I think from a physical point of view, um, so he was turning into him. a Matarazzi there, and I know you, I know you probably love yeah, him, but you know, yeah. very reckless at times. It seems like very much so. Very, I'm pretty sure he's got. Doesn't he have tattoos of a tattoo of Matarazzi on he his? Probably does. He probably does. No, no, I'm pretty sure he does. Like him. Plays just like him. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, I can feel the frustration from the fans. But you know, I think. Um, Pellegrini's cameo was a little bit bizarro, wasn't it? Or was that the one midweek for the Europa League? I think it was. When did, the... when did Pellegrini come on, do a madness, and come off about nine minutes later? 
10 minutes later. Was it this? It wasn't on the weekend, was it? No, I swear it was Europa League. Or, uh, okay, yeah, that Europa must have been Europa League. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how his fitness is at the moment. It can't be great because that was a bizarre cameo. But um, as long as he can stay fit and Spinazzola can stay fit as well, Hussam Awal needs to stay as fit as possible. And uh, it's like many other squads, man. I think fitness is going to be a big dictator of whether or not you walk away from three points and the hurdles that you face. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, pulling up the results from the uh, Servette game. And uh, blah, 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 blah. So, no, was, oh, there, there you go. Yeah, Pellegrini came on 52nd, left in the 58th. Yep, so it was mm. on the Europa League game against Servette, where they won 4-0, by the way. Um, yeah. Oh, that's right, because Belotti had a couple of goals. Yeah, it's good yeah. to see Belotti finding the score sheet, man, because you know, the, the, the Tammy Abraham injury was a disaster. Pellegrini oh, out for a month. So, there was a, a serious injury, so. Yeah. Uh, Fair, hopefully, thanks, and hopefully, uh, Dabala comes back quicker than that. So, yeah, there you go. It says Europa League. So, uh, uh, now going to the result of the weekend. Um, so I got a lot of stick for this at the beginning of the season. I said, Napoli not gonna win the title, right? I said, they're probably <laughs> gonna finish third or fourth this year. And people gave me shit about it, mostly Napoli fans, right? Because, like, how, how, how dare we not repeat? I'm like, Rudy Garcia, it's not that I don't trust the team, I don't trust Rudy Garcia. I think his tactics against the top echelon teams in the world, like the PSGs, the cities, he's excellent, right? We saw that against Real Madrid. Really entertaining game in that one. But against other against other teams that you probably should be having a good games against, other top teams in your league, he struggles in. And we've seen that this year, and, and this game is evident right here, where uh, they go against Fiorentina, and obviously Fiorentina get that great goal, or, or, uh, the lucky goal by Brecolo early on in the game, one nothing at that point. But just the way that we didn't see... Napoli give up this much possession and chances last year as they do right now, and I don't. I don't want to necessarily all blame the coach. Uh, I'm not, I'll get to what ADL said here after this, but um, they just defensively or whatever it is, and obviously losing a guy like Kim and Jai hurts a lot. He was such a rock back there, uh, but it just I think the whole team has got, or at least the whole defensive side of the team is struggling at the moment. And obviously, at one one, you got to give credit to Vincenzo Italiano and his men how they just continue to. You know, that intergame, they started the season first of all brilliantly, brilliantly. I think the first game when they won like 4 nothing or something, everyone's like, here we go, Scudetto, right? And they played Inter and lost, what, 4 or 5 nothing, And we're like, okay, they were just a joke. But ever since that game, they've been unbeatable, right? They've they've almost won every game in Serie A. Um, obviously, a big win here against against Napoli. Um, goals by Jack Bonaventura having a resurgence of his career here. Maybe he's one of the well, best games of his life. Man. Can't it, believe it. He's got to call up to the Azuri. That's how good he's doing. You're joking. Did he no, seriously? He did. He did. We'll get Bravo. to the Azuri, but... I like it. Realistic. That's but really good. Game winner goal there. Nico Gonzalez is having a great year, right? Uh, Inzola and Icone. They both, are, those two guys are going to be fantastic for them. Um, this team is just on another level from last year, which I didn't think was possible because they finished the end of the season so well in three different competitions. And then now they're kind of picked up off of that. I think the Inter game is Inter really good. Everybody else, we can play. If we can play, on the same page as Inter, you know, everybody else would be okay. And so that's how they kind of moved on from that. And so, uh, yeah, I think I'm more impressed with Fiorentina than I am disappointed with Napoli did because I think a lot has to do with the way Italiano schematics came up in this game and, and really canceled out the strengths of, of Napoli. It's, they've got some depth, man. I don't, I don't think yeah. if you are, maybe you can ask some Fiorentina fans and they'll think differently, but in my time watching Serie A, you don't find as many deep Fiorentina squads as what you're looking at right now. Um, Biragi didn't come on against Napoli at all. Nico yeah. Gonzalez didn't come on until minute 73. Yeah. Um, they're obviously playing European football as well. So once again, Vincenzo Italiano, big up to him, not only for handling the squad in Serie A at the moment, but it seems, he seems to be coping with rotation as well. Um, Artur 
is recapturing form. Mm-hmm. Duncan looks good, good. And as you said, Jack, Jack is in the form of his career at the Unreal. moment. And he Unreal. loves captaining this squad. And he's, he's doing very, very well. And I think that you're right. But Napoli, just a little bit of a disaster day at the office again. Ossiman didn't look motivated. He got uh, pulled probably... in like the 72nd minute. So I don't get this, right? I, All three I, of those subs were very, very questionable at that same time. And I right? get Labotka. I get Labotka. He's a defense. He's a defensive midfielder. But I mean, Zelensky and Osiman. Osiman's one of the best strikers in the league. Period. And, Z- and Zelensky is one of the best midfielders in the league. And you're down two to one. Why the hell would you take him off if they weren't injured? I didn't get that. And I understand why yeah. people are furious at him and why Osiman was furious about him. And it's not the first time he's done it to Osiman. I don't understand that about Garcia. I didn't understand the Ongisa sub for Raspadori. Um, I didn't understand not playing Elmas as well. Yeah, it's it's very. It's uh, sometimes I think like with, with a coach like Garcia, he should have just come in and said, "All right, if it ain't broke, don't try and fix it. Try and do everything as much the same as possible. Call Luciano, pay him for his time if you need to. Yeah. Show some." Just show some initiative, man. Like maybe maybe we think differently. And hey, we're we're the ones sitting here talking, and they're the ones in the big seat. But I don't know, maybe common sense just ain't that common because it looked like Rudy Garcia was lacking a lot of common sense in that game. Yeah, and uh, speaking of uh, Rudy Garcia, let me talk about the comments ADL had on Rudy Garcia here. He says. Uh, <laughs> It's not good at the moment with Rudy Garcia. When you decide to go for a coach who doesn't know Italian football anymore, it can happen. That's big words there. Uh, I'll make the best decision at the right moment. I can't be influenced by fans. It sure feels like he's going to let this guy go at some point in the near future. Maybe international break. Maybe going to find out how much Conte is going to cost. I don't know who's available. But, I mean, how do you say that? I understand if you said, hey, you know, if you said everything but that, this the middle part where he says, I picked a coach who doesn't know Italian football anymore. I mean, those are big words to say about your coach who's currently on your team. ADL has already decided to sack Rudy Garcia. It's just a matter of when yeah. we now find out. That was the that was the kiss of death. That was the fish in the bulletproof vest. I didn't even know that he said it until you just pulled it up on screen. And that doesn't surprise me. ADL doesn't get along with people for a living and he makes a fortune off it. Um, he's, he's done a great job with Napoli, but he will make all the decisions that he wants he's just picking his timing here with this okay two questions for you then um first do you agree with this if he does fire him do you agree with the fire because i is it too soon right like before before last season napoli were certainly contenders right but last year they obviously dominated the league and i i have a feeling that adl expects to have the same results this year even with a new manager and missing some key pieces like kim and jai and it doesn't work like that. Like if you're it can if you're contention, you should be the way. And I, I think letting him go would be a mistake. And I'm sure uh, Napoli fans would be like, no, no, get rid of him, right? And I I get it, but it's probably too soon because like who are you gonna bring in? Uh, and I'll get to that second part about who you gonna bring in. But I think it may be too soon to bring in or to get rid of Rudy Garcia. I think you should let it play out because I think he'll certainly be a a, a, a contender this year. I mean, no one's gonna pull away this year. I mean, what are your thoughts on if they potentially get rid of him? It's too soon in theory, obviously. It's only eight games into the season. And if we were looking at it strictly from a results point of view, we'd be, we wouldn't even be discussing it. But there seems, there seems to be some bridges that have already been set on fire here. And that, that ADL comment there just confirms it for me. You had the whole Ossiman disaster on the pitch and off the pitch. And then you've just got the questionable substitutions, the drop points at home as well, which will really vex ADL. There's something about losing in his backyard that he will hate more than anything yeah. this season. Um and it's, yeah, his decision has been made. I, I think it is still too early, but also I know modern day athletes, uh, they don't really dig as deep 
as the ones that I used to grow. I'm sorry to say that, man. They, 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 don't, they, they like change consistently because yeah. they're very quick. All I can do is relate this to my experience as an Inter fan, man. When, when Papa Antonio Conte left, he left a bunch of athletes that were there and they decided to have a big sook about it. It's a conversation for another time. And it's not just Romelu Lukaku. It's a whole host of Inter players that are very responsible for being a bunch of sooks at, at a given time when our manager left. And I have absolutely no doubt that factions have formed in that Napoli locker room. And most of them are talking about how they miss Spalletti and how this isn't the right coach to bring them forward. And once players have collectively started talking about that, Oh my, it's hard to turn that around. And I don't think Garcia's got the personality to turn it around. I don't think he's got the relationship skills and the yes. relationships prior built, nor the pedigree and the name for himself. Um, so no reputation. I think it's all lost now. So now it might be a sense of ADL's just said this as a way to let everybody know we're pulling the plug and I'm ripping it, the Band-Aid off now in the international break. I'm doing it. <laughs> I think if he's gonna do it, he should do it now, um, and, and not wait till when it's an inopportune. You got you got to have a two week window there. We kind of you see many teams who are struggling at the moment are bringing in new managers in during this break. So you got you got a few, couple weeks to kind of get your team integrated to your philosophy and everything. And um, yeah, it's just like the whole the whole Olsen thing with the, the substitutions. It's it's just very the factions have obviously formed back behind the scenes. We saw this when Carlo, Carlo Celotti was there with the previous regime, right? Insignes in the merchants of the world. Um, you saw a similar thing. And so um, it would not surprise me. If that's the case, yeah, you need to pull the plug and get rid of him, right? But if it's just based on the results, then it's way too soon. But you mentioned something you mentioned that I want to bring a question to you. You said that, like, he doesn't really get along with many people. ADL doesn't. So not getting, obviously, like, getting along with Rudy Garcia is going to pull the plug. Now, the name that's at the forefront of many people's minds, Antonio Conte. Um, uh, Antonio Conte rubs everybody wrong. He's a brilliant manager. He's going to get you wins. He's get you maybe a title, but nobody. He just he him and management just don't get along. So how this him and ADL are bound to the head head butt heads even in probably the press conference. I mean, what are your thoughts about the, this possible marriage if it were to happen? I'd love for it to happen just from a strictly entertainment point entertainment, of view. Entertainment, yeah, 100%. Absolutely oh, fantastic. Yeah. I'd sign off on it today if I could, to be honest, because yeah. A, I think it would be really entertaining, and B, I think it would put Antonio Conte just back in a position to, to re resurrect his career after at Spurs, and I'm not ready for him to retire because I, I really do like him as a manager. I think he's a really hard person to get along with, but from a fan perspective, I just really, really like him. Um I think that they would butt heads and it would not be yeah. a long-term thing. <laughs> I think you the only way you could see this happening could be a, an ADL handshake with Conte and a one-season contract and go, that is your group for the rest of the season. Whatever you say goes, just finish in the top four. Yeah, we'll make a, make a title charge. And I reckon, see, Antonio Conte would be looking at that squad, licking his lips going, or oh, I could do a madness with this in the league. I can do yeah. a madness. I know yeah. that he doesn't play the formation. I know he's very strict with his three at the back. The 3-5-2 sometimes forms into a 3-4-3 hybrid. But I have no doubt that he could find a way to make it work because at the moment, I think what that group of, sorry, once again, modern mentally weak athletes needs is force a drill sergeant to get into that locker room, slap some heads and go, oi, you yeah. are playing for the defending champions that you supposedly won yourself. You've lost that mentality. I'm here to bring that back. I am all about that mentality. And this is what's going to happen. Get ready to hear a million dies in training for the next uh, six and a half months. Die, die, die. Let's go. <laughs> ADL and Conte, the same club would be better than Friends reruns. Epic entertainment. Yeah. I mean, must see TV. Everyone would want to watch Napoli every week, even more so than they already do, right? So uh, certainly entertaining stuff there. Um, you know, we, we did talk about 
Fiorentina going on this epic run since the Inter game. Milan as well. I think Milan, you know, I have to give a shout out to them. They are in first place, but it seems like both those clubs, they got embarrassed, embarrassed by Inter. They, they're, they're not even on the same level as Inter. However, they went on these magnificent runs afterwards and really shot up the table. Both of them did. And, you know, I, again, I'm going to go back to Fiorentina and what they're doing, what Vicente Italiano is doing. This is probably his last year for Fiorentina because, I mean, if he continues to accelerate the, the go up the table as he's doing this year, another team's going to call, whether it's in City Hour or somewhere else, they're going to come calling for him. Uh, and we've already seen you know, places like in England, they're not afraid to get Italian managers now because even though they're foreigners and they don't know our league, uh, talk about the Zerbi, uh, obviously they can do well over there, right? And uh, Antonio Conte's won the league title over there. Sadi's done well over there, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets scooped up here soon. So um, shout-outs for there. Um, what did I want to talk about? Um, do I want to do a Zuri now or do I not? Let me see. Uh Oh, one thing before the Azuri call-ups. Paul Pogba. Uh, man came back, right? So to kind of give get back to everyone understands what happened here, he tested positive, uh, what, about a month ago, several weeks ago, uh, and he claims it was some kind of pill. He took something, some food he ate in the United States, and he tested positive for uh, the testosterone boosters or whatever, uh, and he was pending his second test where if he got a second test positive, that means he would get a ban possibly up to four months or even longer uh, well, that second test finally came in, and it was a positive result again. So, looks like he's gone from Juventus more than likely. Uh, probably a lengthy suspension as well. You're probably looking at probably four years compared to what you've seen other people have gotten for similar situations there. It's kind of a a, a nightmare for Paul Pogba. I mean, really, when he was at Juventus originally, he was a baller. He was he was amazing. Now he had great pieces around him, but he did some magical things with Juventus. He went to United. Had a her- terrible, terrible time there. Come back to Juventus. He's been nothing but injury prone for most of his time after Juventus. Um, he's had a whole like um, blackmail thing going on in his personal life. His whole personal life is all wrecked too. It's like family and all this, all this stuff's going on. And then this is just I, I feel bad for him, right? Yeah, he's on Juventus, and you you know we're we're there are rivals for both of us. But uh, God, you hate to see anybody anybody go through something like this, let alone one thing like this. All the stuff that Pogba's been going through. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, do you even care? Maybe you don't even care. <laughs> Peter, you, you know him. Fame, fame has completely destroyed this man, bro. Yeah, it's completely I know. destroyed. It's sad to see on a human being sort of point of view. Like, I know that he's happy. Look, the only reason I I find it comedic is strictly for anti Juve purposes. Like, I find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find yeah. it hilarious that you've pissed away about fifteen million in wages in the last like. 15 months on this guy i find that hilarious because that is a big reason why their mercato has been limited as well um so these are all contributing factors so anything that sets them back is funny to me but on a more common sense logical human being level it is sad because it's a big fall from grace it's a lot of money spent on an athlete uh, that has not lived up to it afterwards and now it definitely looks like that he's done to be fair, mentally, this guy was ready to retire from football. I, I have yeah. heard him speak. I, you see his mannerisms in the offseason. He doesn't travel much with his team and squad. Yeah. He likes to do his own thing. The guy is ready to become a celebrity in a different realm, and I think that's exactly what he's going to be now. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree for sure. Um, he says, I thought the intent was also in question. Someone mentioned that if Pogba consulted a medical professional, he did, and received incorrect information about the vitamin he took, it could be proved. Uh, I guess we'll see how that goes, but uh, I'm sure he'll appeal. Um, but six to nine months will be reduced to six to nine months, which is still a lengthy time away. But uh, yeah, 
Uh, the ever life of uh, Paul Pogba just seems to go after one turn to another, darker and darker, it seems like. So, you know, hopefully he comes out of it on the better. Um, I, I agree with you. I think his Calcio is done. His football days are done. You'll probably done. see him on you'll see him on TikTok or whatever it is, you know, doing his uh, yep. celebrity thing there. So, sure. uh, uh, speaking of TikTok, and uh, well, man, hopefully the Azuri keep away from the TikTok right now, like Napoli right there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> let's let's get up to the Azuri call ups, uh, like Jack Bonaventura. I think, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Spalletti said that uh, Bonaventura is our Bellingham, right? <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, hey, maybe in the current form, maybe he is, right? Uh, but uh, the call ups here. Uh, first in goal, we got Donnarumma, Meret, Provedel, and Vicario. In defense, you got Acerbi, Bastoni, Biragi, Darmian, Di Lorenzo, Di Marco, Gatti, Mancini, Scalvini, Udoji. He gets his first call up, or he gets called up, I should say. Uh, midfield, Barella, Bonaventura, Cristante, Fratesi, Locatelli, and Tonali. And then in attack, you had Berardi, Chiesa, Kane, Raspadori, Scamacas, Zaccagni, and Zagnolo. Uh, let's go position by position. Uh, from start with goalkeepers, uh, pretty straightforward, right? I mean, all these goalkeepers all deserve a call up in this one. Um, I've been I've been saying for a long time now that it should be Moret starting in these games. Uh, but I understand why Donnarumma is a starting goalkeeper. Maybe just a little bit of spite for me. But uh, thoughts on the goalkeepers for the Azuri? Vicario's got the form. He's probably the fastest ascending one of the bunch. I'd be all for giving him starting minutes. Um, because he's still a goalkeeper that has a lot to do at Spurs. It's not like a Emmanuel Neuer thing at Bayern Munich where he could basically, you know, cook up a steak and eat it without having to do anything in goal for, for three games. I'm not just talking about one day as well. Um, so I think that Vicario, but any of those are a good shout for qualifying games, uh, I think. However, I think that mentally Donnarumma is rusty. And I just, I, I think that we're in a position here where we need three points all the time. The Azuri is becoming very painful to watch. It's daunting when I see the calendar approach. International yeah. break is meant to be a break from Inter, and that's meant to be welcome with open arms because, you know, Inter, PTSD. But now it's gotten <laughs> to a point where we're getting to international breaks. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Italy's playing again. Fun. Lots of fun. Um, I think Spalletti's made a couple of good changes in his call-ups, though. You, you can see that he's looking for just a little bit more grit and a little bit more flair yeah. um, in those players. He's he's picked based on form as well. Like, when I look at those midfielders, I can comfortably say the only one that's not in form is my one, Nico Barella. And when you really take his form out of the last month out of the equation, he's the best out of the bunch. Yes. So you can't, question, you can't question his selection. And every other selection there is well and truly justified. He'll have a big, big decision to make in terms of who he starts and how he starts those pieces. Um, I'm also pretty happy with, with the rest of the lineup. You know, as I said, the, the grit and the fight should be in the players that he's chosen, like your Scalvini and Udoji, who is who is just fantastic, man. Both of them. Yeah. And they're both yeah. hungry and ready to go. Players like Bastoni and Acerbi and Beragi. And I'm just, I didn't really know that he called up Damian as well. And I'm really happy with that choice. Yeah. Really happy with that choice because you've heard me sing his praises before. They, these players are, yeah. are definitely still ready to do a job. That's for sure. Um, Federico Gatti, Di Marco, Mancini. You can't ask for more grinter than that. Yeah. I think it's a decent looking squad. And I just, as much as I don't want Juve to do well this season, it would actually really break me to see Chiesa play when he's not 100% fit and to get hurt. This guy needs proper rest. And I speak because he's so good. Federico Chiesa needs to be fit for us all the time. And I'd hate to see him cop something again because I know he's only at about 65, 70% at the moment. 
Berardi's got some form. Mose Ken has actually got a little bit of form. Looks like he's in a little bit of flow at Juventus again. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Spalletti kind uh, of tipped it saying he might start. For Spalletti. Like I, I can't I rarely sing praises this much about the depth of the squad uh, under Mancini. So I think that it looks okay. Zakani would be it would be a shoe in to start as well. So this is, a, this is a breath of fresh air, isn't it? Because under Mancini, at least I know Frank and I, maybe you too, but we always had something to say about who the hell they selected. Like, you know, why they always had freaking uh, Bonucci's of the world and, you know, all these guys who are, have been playing Florenzi. I'm glad Florenzi is freaking out in this lineup too. Uh, all these people that he, you know, he he won Euros with, he felt like he is indebted to and had to, had to start them no matter how sucky they were. Mm-hmm. And we don't see this with Spalletti. Spalletti, you know, he's saying, hey, if you're in form, I'm going to play you. He's already said, hey, you know, Kane is one of my better strikers at the moment. Him and Skamaka are probably my strikers at the moment. Um, and then, obviously, you know, Chiesa, obviously Chiesa and Berardi on the wings there. But uh, I can't say there's anyone in this lineup that I'm upset about. I think they're all deserving. I think they're all, you know, playing well. Um, those who those who are in form, he brought them in. Um, you know, I, I probably, with the goalkeeper, I'd probably choose maybe Providell. I know. I like the Vercadio shout. Providell has been a fantastic goalkeeper. Obviously, MVP or best goalkeeper last year in Serie A. Yeah. Um, Donnarumma, a bit of a howler. We saw what he did against uh, who did he play uh, this weekend? Um, who did they play in Champions League? I forgot. Um, oh, Newcastle. Newcastle. They got slaughtered by Newcastle, and he gave up some terrible goals there. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what he does with the goal situation. Obviously, Donnarumma is the guy, but. Uh, if he has some balls, maybe he'll put someone else in there, right? Especially right. even against Malta, at least Malta, right? Because they got Malta and England coming up here on the 14th and 17th. Uh, but yeah, this lineup overall, I like it. I don't know who's going to start. I'm, I want to watch just to see how it's going to pan out because I can see 20 different combinations of starting 11 here from, you know, just, you know, the defenders, midfield, and the attack. I mean, you can play so many different ways here. And I think that's what the brilliant thing about these call ups is that they're all good. And so you can really mix and match how you feel. If you want to play a false nine or Raspadori, you can, right? If you want to do, you know, Berardi, Chiesa, and Zakani, or excuse me, um, uh, Scamaco or Kane, you can. Put a Zakani in there and, and Zaniola, you can. You can do all these different things. You can attack, midfield or two, and defense. I like it. I like it. You can play three three at the back. You can play five, four at the back. I mean, there's so many things you can do here with um, Spalletti. So I'm really interested to see first. We've seen with the Azzurri, you mentioned how hard they are to watch. Uh in years past, especially under Mancini, a game against Malta, you think by far better on the paper. And when we watch the game, it'll be like 0 0 1 1. You're like, what the hell are we watching? I, I, I really want to see a performance against Malta. Uh, and then we'll see what we do against England because England is obviously a real team. You got to be, you got to take them seriously. They got so much talent. Bellingham is playing ridiculous at the moment. And so um, you got you to gotta watch this team and how they perform there. But first, first and foremost, Malta, can they actually? blow them out of the water like they should. And then how do they line up against uh, England? I'm going to be very curious. Uh, what are your thoughts on these two games coming up? Well, yeah, I think that we've got to start against Malta. Start, you know, I think, although you should only look at the game ahead, I do think, obviously, common sense will say Spalletti is looking at these two games in reverse order and thinking, okay, let, let me figure out what I'm going to do for the England game. And then we'll, we'll backtrack and go where we're going to go with Malta. Yeah. Uh, Belotti does not need a call-up. Neither does Immobile, <laughs> neither does Benucci. Case in point made, the last two and a half minutes we've discussed. Vincent, you're a good bloke, but Belotti does not need a call-up in any way, shape or form. Um, so I, I think that as long as we can get, you know, we'll get the three points against Malta. That's not a problem. And then we just got to make sure of the game's in England, isn't it? I believe it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so first game's at home. Are, first game's at home. Can you refresh me? What are the standings looking like at the moment? And how many games do we have left? Do we uh, let's, let's see. Have a look as well. Uh, I just um, had it up. I uh, thought I had it up. Um, come on. 
my app ain't working right now, so can't tell you at the moment. That's quite all right. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're second. We've got the we've got a game in hand. So England are on thirteen points. We've got seven. Ukraine have seven. North Macedonia have seven. Jesus, yeah. Christ, why do we need to make things so difficult all the time? Um, yeah, North game, Macedonia and Ukraine made it close last time. Last international break. We yeah, get the three points against Malta. So mentally, you know that you've you've still got the edge over you, the people below you, and you do your very best to get as much as you can out of the England game. I think if we come away with a point, that will probably go a long way. That point, to be honest, because I think we will just have to play the other sides one more time. Is that correct? I believe you're right. So there's only two games after that, man: North Macedonia and Ukraine. So th- this is it. You big, get I think four point four points out of six would put us in a position to win at home against North Macedonia and borderline qualify, I think. I agree. I agree with you. So it's still, you. it's so achievable that it's still up to us to completely bottle it. <laughs> it would be the end of the would really it? well for us post-2020. Uh, and, and also with the, it, on the backside, you got the news that uh, sharing the, uh, was it Euros 2032 with Turkey uh, coming yeah. up? Uh, so it's a good news there. So excited for that news and- there. Imagine, uh, imagine the discussions on um, board political level on who's going to host the final. <laughs> you got the Italians on one side shouting for Rome and the Turkish people shouting for Istanbul. And then they just go at it, go at it, go. And then you see the headline, Euros cancelled, man. We're just giving it to somebody else. <laughs> we give it to Greece. It's a horrible decision. <laughs> Everyone's already talking about Motella against uh, Spalletti, you know. <laughs> that's oh, it. my goodness. Uh, all right, so that's the uh, that's the Azzurri coming up here on the 14th against Malta and then a 17th, the big game against England. Uh, but it's the one thing left to do. It's uh, who won couch your Twitter. Uh, let me get the screen up. I'm not even prepared. See, I'm used to Frank talking here, and then I try to figure things out in the back, but I can't today. I can't. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. All right, first nomination here is about Daniel Lucci. says, uh, not going to lie, this is the best I've seen Juve play in the Champions League in the past <laughs> three, four years. <laughs> I, love the, up, I, love, I, love, I love Luca's response. Luca's response is great. <laughs> <laughs> Don't got to say anything. Just laugh. Uh all right, moving yeah. on. I have a feeling we'll be a lot of Milan in this one just because of what happened with uh, Olivier Giroud. But uh, oh, my screen is so big right now. It's so large. Um, can I make it smaller? Can I make it smaller? No, I guess not. Oh, there we go. I did. Okay. Group A of Champions League. I got Man United. Osasurai. Copenhagen. All being up on Man United. Iron. Yeah, yeah. All right, Apex nominated the next one, and it's uh, the original tweet was from the La Nazionale, and uh, came out with the uh, what we just talked about the Azzurri, the the call ups, and who they play. So there you go. First game's in body, second game in London, in London in Wembley. So uh, there you go. But the tweet was uh, Bonaventura back in the Italy squad after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> He is balling out, man. I wonder if he gets a start. Maybe they start. Oh, that'd be Malta. awesome against England. Against England, we're our big shot. I think more likely against Malta. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, that comes from Apex. Thanks for that. Uh, moving on, American Hooligans. Pulisic walking through Milan after the match-winning game that puts him <laughs> on top of the table. <laughs> this is my city. <laughs> That guy is a clown. Oh, my God. Uh, first of all, you know, all jokes aside, I think Milan having, you know, Kanye West come out to the games and Mia Khalifa come to the games, like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, come on. You're a joke. Man. You're a joke at the moment. Anyway. Anyway, I digress. Moving on. Martina Puccio, it's Christian Pulisic. Uh, 
You're not laughing now, are you? <laughs> Pulisic making an impact after ma many mocked him from being from Pennsylvania. You all laughed at me. I got receipts. All right, moving on. Nemaser, it's lay out with a fan. <laughs> oh, look. Oh, man. God, I can't, I can't you get You look like the Grim Reaper, man. Honestly. I know. I know. All he needs is that shaft or whatever it is, right? Mm. All right, moving on from uh, WGM says, we have your Onana replacement right here, Yo. Man United. <laughs> 57 million, just like Onana, man. More, shut, more shutouts than Onana this season. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Milan I says, Milan have added Giroud in their list of goalkeepers in the squad selection. <laughs> Did they actually add it, yeah, they added it to the squad selection? That's and, a, and, a school, and a store as well. You can buy the jersey. That's I don't know if it was a joker or whatever, but they did it. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure they've done it. I'm sure enough people have bought it to turn over a profit made on the decision as well. Calcio, Calcio, uh, Cality George says this is still an expensive tablecloth. Interest 2021, fifty five dollars still. Hey, you can still get it. The tablecloth. Yeah, man, you, you can go one step further and put the tricolore on there if you want, because that's a that's a winning that's a winning tablecloth, man. That's there you go. That's true. That's, that's true. That is true. Uh, Moving. Uh, that is not, that's, not, that's a, uh, whatever, I'll skip that. All right, France's goalkeepers have arrived at Clairefontaine. It's uh, Mike Magnon, it's uh, Mendy, and it's Olivier Giroud. Stylish. Very stylish. All right, uh, I think there's at least one more. Oh, Syria. It's uh, Syria best 11, and it's uh, Olivier Giroud in goal. Wow. <laughs> Rate is six what and a half. the official Syria account? It is. It is. Wow, man. That's a consistent running <laughs> joke. I'm going to say that. <laughs> Oh, that that's that's the that's the nominees for this week. Uh, I am partial to the Juventus one at the very beginning, but you're the guest. You pick what you want to see. No, it goes winner. to Lucci for sure because it's Daniel Lucci and it's you've anti Juventus. But most importantly, it's it's come from a fan who's who knows exactly what they're doing and making that joke. So of course he gets it right. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. I, I appreciate the the ones that. So people know what they're doing. Oh, that was good. That was good. Uh, all right. Uh, it's a time to put a bow on this episode of City on Sit Down. Anthony Azar is esteemed guest, bringing the quality of the looks in this in this podcast up by immense measures tonight. Uh, let, it's your chance to plug away. Let us know where we can find you. Uh, plug anything you want away. The floor is yours, sir. Into Worldwide um, on YouTube. If you're not a subscriber yet, come over because it'll always be raw. It'll always be authentic. And there's plenty of content um, from an Inter point of view, but also from a Serie A um, cultural point of view as well. Into Worldwide on Twitter as well, Facebook, all the socials and stuff like that. But very active on YouTube at the moment. And thank you so much, Richie, for having me on again. It's always a pleasure to tee up. Um, I'll make sure to have you or Frank or one of you or both of you on the channel very, very soon. Keep eyes open, people. And yeah, can't wait to do it again. Thanks, bro. It's, it's always a pleasure. And thanks to everybody in the chat. Nice group. Chat was lively tonight. And yeah, book me. Book me a ticket. I'll be in there. I'll be on the show. So I uh, love to be That's on this. And thank you for coming on tonight for sure. Uh, filling in Frank's shoes. Uh, fun chat tonight. Try to do a little bit different than we normally do. Uh, it ended up being almost the same way as we normally do. <laughs> Just a lot shorter, I guess. I didn't get it, I didn't get it out of here under an hour, but uh, hey. We, we kept it under three hours, so that's a, that's a victory in my book there. So uh, uh, you can follow Frank at FTC underscore 21. You can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. More importantly, follow us, City Sit Down on Twitter, Instagram, all over social media. If you're on YouTube, listen or watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, like, and leave comments. be much appreciated. Uh, and a final plug, uh, go to City Sit Down, check out the Gilardino article I just made, uh, kind of recapping what they did 
uh, in City B last season and what we can expect this season from them. I fully expect Genoa to survive this season based on uh, the way they, the, the way Giladino sets up his teams and the players that the ballers that he got on his team. So, uh, yeah, go check it out there. And then, uh, yeah, for uh, Anthony, for Frank, wherever he's at, and uh, for myself, we'll guys, we'll be, see you guys soon and uh, enjoy the Azzurri. Ciao. Club. Four, 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 four.